This is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. My name is Germ, this is Germ Warfare, the battle of ideas. Anthony Brink, thank you for joining me in the trenches. It's great to be here, Germ. What is your backstory? What is your bio? Well, I uh, <clears throat> trained and qualified as a lawyer, and I practiced law for decades. <clears throat> Prosecutor, criminal magistrate, civil magistrate, bar for many years, regional court magistrate and um but my life took an, ex an, an unexpected turn when and i remember it as clear as day like yesterday on the last sunday of september 1996 i, I stumbled onto <clears throat> a website um uh at uh, which a number of dissident critiques of the hiv theory of aids were posted and um, was posted. And um, these included critical writing about the drug AZT. And at the time, uh, our government was under tremendous pressure from the, world, the world's then biggest drug corporation, pharmaceutical corporation, GlaxoSmithKline. Well, Glaxo, Glaxo Welcome became GlaxoSmithKline later. But it was under tremendous pressure to spend billions of its health budget on buying this drug 3-Azado-3-Doxythymidine, or Zadovidine, or AZT, for administration to pregnant African women, supposedly to protect their unborn babies from being infected by them. So they'd be, they'd be born into the world, you know, free HIV because of this uh, life-saving wonder drug. And um, I discovered, to my stunned amazement, that... Um, I mean, this drug was really shit. It was like pure poison, like extremely toxic and utterly useless. It was indeed designed to kill human cells. And um, also, it didn't have the pharmacological action claimed by its manufacturer. So, um, you know, if you take, I don't take aspirin, but I mean, I understand that uh, aspirin can take your headache away. So, you know, you take aspirin and uh, the benefit is that uh, you lose your headache. But the cost is that it's got a number of significant side effects. You know, it, it's, it's harmful on your gut. Um, and uh, it, it's actually contraindicated for children under 16 because it can cause neurological damage. Believe it or not, it's in the package insert that you, you can uh, see in the box that you buy from the pick and pay. Um, so um, it's it's. It's got a benefit. Aspirin may may have an arguable benefit, but it's, but it's also got a risk. Whereas, the cost-benefit ratio in the case of AZT is infinite. It's all risk, all harm, and no benefit. So, I uh, <clears throat> I found this very, very interesting, and I began looking into it, and um, contacting people uh, who were agitating about this stuff, and uh, very quickly. I acquired this reputation internationally as that guy uh, who's onto this and who's agitating and, 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 and interested in, and concerned by this. And, um, you know, it was so extraordinary. I, I'd wake up in the morning and check my email and I'd just be flooded 
by um, emails from around the world, medical professionals, journalists, lay activists. I'd be flooded with emails um, to which the latest medical papers were attached. So what I did was um, I started, um, you could say, systematizing all that data. I would extract, you know, glean, glean, glean the, 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 the nub of, of each paper and, and start working it into a manuscript. And, um, you know, I was quite alone, practicing law, minding my own business. And uh, I, I just had this like irresistible imperative. Something had to be done. So I began preparing this information, you know, synthesizing all this literature, as it were, pulling it all together. And um, uh, I then thought, well, you know, what must I do? I'm all alone. I have, in, 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 politically, so to speak, I have no contacts, uh, no useful connections. So I thought, oh, I must um, engage um, our country's best, sharpest investigative journalist, in my opinion, Martin Vels of Noseweek. So I wrote to him, didn't hear from him. And six, six months later, um, was, he contacted me through his deputy editor at the time. And um, uh, long and the short of it was that I was asked to write 5,000 words, which was the biggest space allocation in the history of his journal, I heard later, um, in a hurry. So I, put to, uh, I, I perfected what I'd written about AZT, and I wrote some other stuff, and I submitted it. In the result, he didn't use that then. Um, he, 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 other st he published later, I mean, sort of more introductory material. But um, I was sitting with this AZT essay I wrote called AZT and Medicine from Hell. And uh, I thought, you know, this can't sit around. It's terribly important. I mean, our country's under tremendous pressure to, our government's under tremendous pressure to buy this stuff. And it's, it's like a desperate, desperately poisonous, useless drug. It's like a, it's like a crisis. Um, so I sent it to all the newspapers, and uh, of all the newspapers imaginable, I mean, most un unexpected, the um, uh, the Citizen picked up on it and published it. And then our country's top treatment expert, so to say, Dr. Des Martin, the <clears throat> the um, chairperson of the HIV AIDS Clinician Society, um, he answered it in the same newspaper, and then I replied, and then. Short, it's like it was like the heavens opened, and a whole lot of um, uh, literature was published in the medical and scientific press about this bad drug. So I kind of tore tore the seams of this cult apart, and I stuffed the new papers in, as it were, and I sent the whole shit up to government, and um, I sent it up to the health minister, and it was received by the um, the um, special advisor, Dr. Ian Roberts, who said <clears throat> clearly you know more about this drug than anybody in the country, which was true. He says, but um, let me hang on. Let me not give it to um, Susanna Zuma, health minister at the time under mm. Mandela. Let me, let me rather, let's see whether Mbergi, um, who's coming in in a month or two, June uh, 1999, let's see whether he keeps it on or changes his cabinet around. Well, as, he, as it turns out, he did. He, he brought um, Dr. Chabalalem Samang in as health minister and moved of course, Susanna Zuma to foreign affairs. So he passed it on to her, confirmed he'd done so. And again, to compress the story, um, the thing reached Mbegi. 
And um, on the 28th of October, 1999, you know, I'm standing in my kitchen and uh, after a hard day in court and all that. And um, here comes the news. Today, President Thabo Mbeki announced in the National Council of Provinces that it's been brought to our attention that there's a large volume of scientific evidence that the drug AZT is a danger to human health and would be grossly irresponsible for our government to disregard the dire warnings these researchers have been making. And it's also been brought to our attention that there's some litigation pending and I've ordered my um, health minister to look into it. <clears throat> so in an instant, since nobody else in the country, to my knowledge, was working on this problem, I knew that my staff had reached him. And indeed, following day, Smatsun Gonyama, who was um, uh, Director General of the Presidency, called me for further information. And a day or so, so after that, uh, Khalema Watlante, the uh, ANC Secretary General, contacted me through his secretary for more information still. And um, I was asked to assist draw the ANC's press release. And, um, you know, that's where the trouble started. You know, the next thing, my name kind of got out. And, uh, you know, I was inundated by international journalists, you know, teaming in and around my house. I mean, it was amazing. It's like in the movies, you know, uh, you know, with a van outside and a dish. And, you know, it was, I'm, I'm exaggerating, but it was like that sense of things. And I was interviewed, you know, numerous times and uh, also sailed in, uh, in all the media and, and so forth. Um, I just want to say, for what it's worth, that, you know, it was never about me. And even though you've asked me to tell my tale, um, it was always the issue, not about me. So I, I, all these years I've resisted um, writing a book about it, you know, tell your story, but, because I always felt, um, I always felt, you know, well, who, who cares? And I don't care. It's yeah, you say, you, know, you say, Anthony, that it's not about you and it's about the issue. Yeah. And the issue, the issue is that HIV yeah. does not cause AIDS. That was the claim that Becky made. Um, and as it turns out, he was correct. No, incorrect. He never never made that claim and in fact he twice uh, I've got the references mm. I can't recall offhand but he twice repudiated the charge that he stated HIV doesn't cause AIDS now you may say that's a bit um, tricky or disingenuous because certainly um, he didn't at that by that time any longer believe in the HIV theory of AIDS but the reason for his descent from the HIV theory of AIDS was much more profound than the Duisburgian um, position that HIV doesn't cause AIDS because it's uh, a harmless passenger virus, etc. And Beggy, from an early point, understood very well that HIV, in inverted commas, had never been proven to exist, which sounds preposterous, but um, what can I say? If you look into it, you'll discover that the, the evidence is wanting. And um, in fact, the evidence is wanting for the whole of our, the whole of virology. The virology is just a complete, it's just complete horseshit, you know. It doesn't stand up. So Beggy understood that. He never said HF doesn't, doesn't cause AIDS because he didn't mean to, he didn't want to imply or allow that HIV exists. He understood. And by the way, I'm not talking just, you know, through my hat here. And Beggy is the principal author of a very important monograph submitted to the uh, ANC NEC for discussion in April, I think 2001 or 2002, somewhere around there. Uh, it's called 
the cats show Shlongwane, cats, geese, etc., and the, you know the dehumanization of the African or something like that. But anyway, I've got the doubled, the extended version, the revised and extended version of that monograph. Uh, it's on my website. Just you know, just search for Castro um, at the website tig.org.za. And um, in that monograph, Mbegi discusses he, he he canvasses the problem with HIV in inverted commas. He he makes the point clearly, unambiguously, that HIV has never been isolated. Um, you know. I know that your audience is hip because you've had all sorts of people uh, on your show who have dealt with this stuff, so this shouldn't be too shocking. But you know, I like to, I like to, I'm fond of analogies and I'm fond of historical precedents. And I'm fond of pointing up the fact that um, historically, all sorts of notions have been universally accepted, which have been completely vacant. For example, um, at one time in European culture, English, Scottish, and Euro, you know, Irish, uh, European culture, I mean, the belief in witchcraft was universal. You had th no less than three witchcraft acts, you know, passed by uh, the English uh, Parliament. And, you know, tens of thousands of people in England, in, in the United Kingdom, and uh, Europe were duly, and also New America, you know, sorry, New England in the Massachusetts and so on, Salem. Tens of thousands of people were duly tried on what is regarded as good evidence by courts of law and, and sentenced to death and hanged, you know, um, for making a you know, hellish league with the devil, you know, with Satan and all that stuff. Today we know it's a joke, it's ridiculous. But everybody believed at that time in the existence of uh, evil spirits and uh, witches and witches' familiars and um, imps, you know, they wanted fancy names, you know, like uh, Dandy and Fancy and Grizzle and Greedy Nut and Illimakar uh, and Peck Piwacket and Peck in the Crown, you know, and, and all these pictures, you know, very impressive graphics in, in, in the encyclopedias, including an encyclopedia, by the way, by King James in England, published in 1600, um, called Demonology. You know, this was high science in its day. And um, none other than, <laughs> none other than, Lord Chief Justice Anderson, the brightest, biggest, brightest, best lawyer in England, you could say, said in 1602, the land is full of witches. They're bound in all places. And I'm paraphrasing now, without f firm and prompt action taken against them, and here's what he said, they will soon now overrun the land, you know. And he went on to say that he's hanged, you know, 26 or 27 of them himself, you know. So um, I mention this because uh, this belief in HIV AIDS and the belief in viruses, which seems so scientific and uh, clever and sophisticated, it's just all superstition. You know, when you, when you drill down, you discover it's all bullshit, you know. It's like a cult. Yeah, it's a cult, but it's also, um, it has to do with, um, it's also a mass hysterical phenomenon, you know, mm. and a, and a, a grand a popular yeah. delusion. You know? But then, Anthony, yeah. how... How is it that Tabu Mbeki realized this, but nobody around him did? How, how is it that he was an island? Yeah, that's not hard to explain. It's because the dissident voices were so few and so low 
that they simply hadn't reached him. I mean, very few people had heard of Peter Duisberg, who was like the most provident, Professor Peter Duisberg, the most provident, uh, prominent um, AIDS dissident um, in the world, best known, much less had folk heard of um, Eleni Papadopoulos, uh, this um, from the Perth group. Yes, at the Royal mm. Perth Hospital. I mean, she died. Opinion, she died last year, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah terrible. Well, she, well, you know, she died of old age. She was old mm. and ill. Um, but, you know, really, we lost the Nicholas Copernicus of molecular biology. And I say that, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't mean to sound extravagant or uh, hyperbolic, but really, that woman, is, she was so clever. You know, when I, when I, when I used to read her stuff, it, it read to me, it's like it rang, it sung, it sung, you know, like a like a Bach, like a Bach fugue. And it was so intelligent, so interesting. You know. I was very close to Eleni, uh, certainly when the thing began. Um, I would speak to her uh, once or twice a month, you know, long phone calls, you know, regular phone calls. We were very, we were very close. Not only was I... Um, championing her position on HIV and of course AZT because she wrote a, a huge paper on the molecular pharmacology of AZT but also um, what's not widely known is that was that there was a very <laughs> there was a very severe um, harsh merciless civil war among the dissidents um, for quite some time and uh, we were very divided and I, and I confess without any shame, that I was the, the leading belligerent in this thing. I was the most intolerant, cruel, um, divisive, and hated um, radical in the radical camp. In what radical way? Camp. I mean, those who contend, those who contend, there is no HIV. And, and we were very strong um, in insisting that we were the minority, that we were very determined. We were very strong on the importance of adopting the correct scientific strategy. If you watch that cool film, um, The Young Karl Marx, now I'm not a Marxist anymore, but um, if you watch that cool film, The Young Karl Marx, you'll see, you, you, you appreciate how much energy was put into establishing the correct line. Because mm. in small subversive groups, it's all important to it's all important that your spear or your blade should be maximally sharp, as sharp as possible. If you if you if you stick your sword in at the wrong angle and it's dull, you're not going to you know you've got less of a chance. You know what I mean? So it was very important for us to, to adopt the correct line to to uh, to argue truthfully, and not argue this bullshit that Peter Duisberg was arguing that HIV is a harmless passenger virus because we say we contend it. It's like going around saying. Vi you're nothing to fear from virus from, from from vampires they're friendly they're friendly guys they show they look look around the back of a tree at night you know but they, they don't have any teeth you know so don't fear vampires we think it's a it's a futile um it's doomed to fail it's a futile way of attacking the belief of vampires which is also at one time um Ubiquitous and and, and, well, and, and and believed by everybody. 
wasn't that position yeah. wasn't that position by Duisburg held also by people like Kerry Mudis uh, or Judy Mikovits, for example, also. So in other words, HIV is there, but it's harmless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sure she's a very nice person, but um, and actually, I know she suffered as well. But um, you know, I don't regard her as a, as a, as a great scientific uh, luminary. Duisburg is a hell of an interesting guy. He's a very, he's a very likable guy. I've spent time with him. He's very funny, very witty, amusing, charming. You know, but um, he's just hung up on this notion that HIV. He he won't actually address the problem. He's been debated, and he just he won't come to grips with the problem. The problems in the position that HIV is a harmless passenger virus. Yeah, Luke Montagna. I think yeah, Luke Montagna yeah. also started backpedaling on that um, in the last five years before he died. Mm. Mm. And he won the Nobel Prize for supposedly isolating it. Sure did. I met him. Yeah, yeah. I met him when I introduced, <laughs> introduced himself and I explained my um, kind of political role in the controversy. You know, he kind of stepped back. He was a bit alarmed. You know, I think he, he sensed there could be trouble coming. But anyway, yeah, um, I also have... I have an interview. Um, how can I put it? I've got a, a DVD. I've got two DVDs on which um, an interview with Montaigne is uh, is recorded, where he admits, that despite a Roman effort, uh, his researchers couldn't find, in the purifi so-called purification, any objects with the typical morphology of retroviruses. In other words, if we imagine that uh, that um, an imp or, or, or some demonic um, form has, you know, cloven hooves and horns and, you know, looks like a goat and funny tail and, and all that. Um, you know, if we go looking for that thing and we don't find it, then we, we are bound to say we couldn't find it when we did the, the experiment. Again, I'm speaking analogically. That's pretty much what he conceded. He conceded on, on video that he never found any virus. Nonetheless, he made the claim. And that, of course, the claims have been picked to pieces by the Perth group, the Lady Papadopoulos, Iliopoulos. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Take me back to Tom and Becky. I'm, I'm still fascinated mm. by how he was sure. absolutely destroyed. Uh, so here was yeah, this yeah. lone man, and he still referenced this in his book, A Dream Deferred. And he... Uh, that, 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 that's Gavis's book, yeah? Mark Gavis, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But about Mbeki. Well, wrote the biography. Yeah, yeah. I met yeah. too, yeah. And Mbeki was wondering, how is it that the people that he helped liberate were suddenly now being destroyed by a virus that only that was only interested in gay in gay men in American nightclubs and poor black people in Africa? Yeah, yeah, yes. Spot on. Spot on. Look, Mbeki's, you know, Mbeki's story in this thing and Beggy's, the, the history of Mbegi's engagement is also terribly interesting. You see, Mbegi has this reputation um, and he's been very damaged by this reputation for being the world's most reviled AIDS denialist, you know, dissident denialist, whatever. But what's not remembered well is that actually Mbegi began um, as a real, you know, happy clappy, as a real, you know, revival tent preacher. Um, I was just um, looking at my manuscript 
on the whole history of this thousand page job which I have to finish one day and um, I was reminded that um, Edwin Cameron Edwin Cameron um, in early in February 1996 was lobbying Mandela to start getting involved and start making uh, the required fuss about this all you see and um, a meeting was set up but Mandela didn't show February 1996 yeah Mandela didn't show Mbegi did and um, uh, and Cameron recalled later in a newspaper article how pumped up Mbegi was by this thing you know in all his language by the way I've captured everything he ever said about this all his language was very enthusiastic you know you know about this plague and you know all those cliches you know Mbegi used them all Anyway, Cameron reported how he was very enthusiastic and, uh, you know, he gave him a hug and uh, Cameron s explained that, or he, he recalled later that he, he really, really cared, you know. Um, you know, in 1998, in October 1998, which is a year before he blew the whistle, as it were, on AZT, Mbegi, none other than Mbegi, established the AIDS partnership sorry, uh, the, the, the partnership on AIDS, something like that, yeah. This was an enormous um, endeavor, bringing people from all, all walks, you know, all sectors in. It was a very big deal, you know. And he gave this uh, speech, again, full of the conventional language. I have it from the late Professor Samam Thongo, that Mbegi feels foolish about how he was um, sucked in and duped, you know, gulled by all this garbage. You know this enthusiasm, the stupid popular enthusiasm. But anyway, the point is that the record. I mean, even I mean, when Beggy Beggy uh, blew the whistle, as it were, he, he called attention to toxicity of AZT on the 28th of October 1999 in the National Council of Provinces. But just in June, a few a few months earlier, you were still having you're still sporting a you know red AIDS ribbon on his tit. You know he was he was really into it. Um, so I, th I find that an interesting. Uh, uh, by the way. Just as Mbegi believed and was pumping this thing, um, at, at that time Mandela wouldn't step up. I mean, to the chagrin of all the, 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 the activists and all these people, Mandela wasn't coming forward. He, he wasn't making the required noise. And um, but as why? As, what as was my, his as, view? Well, what because, was oh, you know he said. You know, he, he, he explained himself later. He said, you know, we Africans, we have a conservative uh, approach to sex. We don't talk about it, and, uh, which is, by the way, perfectly valid, you know. But as, as Mbegi moved from fired up believer into apostasy, you know, into, into like, a, like a lapsed Catholic, as it were, um, Mandela went in the opposite direction and Mandela became the kind of the AIDS mascot for all these um, journalists, stupid journalists and uh, activists, you know. So that's, that is also an interesting aspect of the early history, which is forgotten. You know, it is, I, I, I find it curious, very interesting. Yeah. Uh, uh, so what, what you're suggesting then is that Mbeki also became isolated even within the ANC. Now, was he the yeah, only one? Yeah, he was he the only one who knew that HIV didn't exist? No. Very good question. Very pertinent question. No. Someone else 
who understood very well that HIV had never been isolated. It's Khalema Motlante. And um, I, I quote his exact words. And on two different occasions, he, 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 he dealt with this problem. If you go to the top of um, um, the TIG.org.za website, there's an, a TIG position statement on HIV. And you click on, on that at the very top of the page, and then you read down, and then I, I quote McClante. So McClante was hip. I have, um, I understand that others too. Uh, I don't embarrass them, but I know of others. I know of another very prominent um, national politician. Dr. Chabalaram Samang never, ever um, addressed the existence of HIV. I don't think, I don't recall that she even addressed the the HIV controversy, but she was very big on the toxicity of AZT. And yeah, so. and she was and she was ridiculed for the potatoes and garlic and all that yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, for Christ's sake! I mean, she was she was advocating as a minister of health. She was advocating for nutrient-rich foodstuffs, you know, like like a root vegetable like beetroot, you know, uh, you know olive oil, uh, garlic. I mean, th these foods are well known to be very nutritious. But, you know, she was ridiculed. I mean, Zap uh, you know, uh, Zapira was ruthless in lampooning her in all his cartoons. As if it was the most stupid thing to say um, that these foods, that just mentioned foods, might be a way to recover one's health, if ill. You know? I was part of that, of that ridicule. Um, yeah. And I, I, I regret it now um, yeah. in hindsight. But hindsight is a bitch, isn't it? Um, <laughs> you know, the ARV rollout preceded Zuma's succession of Mbegi. Mbegi, as the head of state, was simply swept aside, swept aside um, by the by the forces, you know, arrayed against him. And um, in, in in no time at all, our country had the biggest ARV, ARV rollout program in the world. From, from from being a holdout, I mean, all, all Mbegi did, what he achieved, I mean, to his credit, because he couldn't do any more, such was the balance of forces. All Mbegi did was he delayed the introduction of these ARVs into the health system for several months. But um, it was during his tenure as president that, um, that uh, the rollout was ramped up. So I, I, I wouldn't blame Zuma for it. Zuma had said, Zuma spoke consistently in an orthodox manner. He was simply uninformed, you know. But hey, I was uninformed mm. when I was sitting in the bar common room, you know, regaling my advocate colleagues with stories about how, um, you know, AIDS is going to wipe everybody out and soon there'll be these. Um, all the soon there'd be like these feral orphans, you know, running around the streets and we'd be stepping over dead bodies. My oath, I literally spoke it. I remember speaking that way because I'd heard this and I bought it. That's absurd, but you know, I, I just didn't know any better. The irony, though, is his comments about showering after sex were probably not all that inaccurate. Completely, completely, <laughs> uh, there's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> of course, the notion that you. The notion that uh, you, by having a shower, you won't fall ill with AIDS, that's ridiculous. But um, 
clearly, clearly, Zuma didn't internally really believe. He didn't mm. really believe that um, that HIV causes AIDS and that you can get sick with AIDS from having sex with someone, which is itself a, a preposterous idea. Which, by the way, brings me on to syphilis, if you want to talk about that, because um, that's also a terribly interesting story. And um, before I get there, I've, I've got a couple of props for your show here. I've got this little bottle. I've got this little bottle of AZT, okay? You can see it next to my little finger here. That gives you the um, dimensions, yeah? The tiny bottle, it contains um, 25 milligrams of AZT, 3-Azado-3-Doxythamidine. AZT, azadothamidine, right? I'm reading. Toxic, you know, on, a, on an orange stripe, like you see on the side of a tanker, you know, containing a hazardous chemical on the highway. The toxic in six, in six different languages, and the following, read, following uh, warning in, in black and white here. Toxic. Toxic by inhalation, in contact with skin, and have swallowed. Target organs, blood, bone marrow. Case of accident, or if you feel unwell, seek medical advice. Show the, show the label where possible. Wear suitable protective clothing. I mean, that's 25 milligrams. I mean, it's a, it's a tiny amount. On the other hand, uh, that, that, this, this is AZT produced, sold by uh, Sigma Aldrich Chemical Company for experimental use in, in laboratories to give you know rats and, uh, and, so, and so on. But here, I've got a bottle here of, um, of AZT for human ingestion. And... Um, I mean, here's a single capsule. <laughs> it contains 100 milligrams, yeah? And um, you're supposed to take between 20 and 60 times the amount of AZT contained in this bottle every single day. I mean, I mean it's just it's ridiculous. I mean, the, 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 the terrifying hazard warnings on a bottle, I mean, I mean, don't even open the lid unless you cover up completely. You know? But you know, pregnant women are supposed to swallow this stuff. Uh, well, I mean, the the crimes of the pharmaceutical industry are just. Um, That's what I wanted limited. to ask you. When Zuma, for example, uh, celebrated the rollout, that there was obviously pharmaceutical interest. I mean, that's where all the stuff came from. So there was obviously a there was obviously a narrative being driven behind the scenes. Yeah. Was yeah. there some sort of tension, some sort of conflict happening with Mbeki? and the same actors yeah i mean mbegi was obstructing their business agenda so it got as bad as um bill clinton declaring aids in africa uh, a threat to the national security of the united states of america and when Mbeki, when Mbeki in 2000 i think april or may went to the US. He was repeatedly warned, and Frank Shikani recalls this in one of his books. I think, yeah. He, Frank Shikani recalls that Mbeki was repeatedly warned that you know, his very life was in danger for taking on these powers. So, yeah, there was a, 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 it, was all, it was all about profit-making by, by the multinational pharmaceutical industry, in particular GlaxoSmithKline, in the countries of the south and south africa was regarded as a portal market and here and beggy was getting in the way and so he was warned off not that he, he not that he um wimped out um he was 
he was um, outplayed. Outplayed. He was no. He was he was um, persuaded to step down, mm. stand back, as you say in law, stand by the party was uh, becoming too too severe. And after all, Mbeki had other agendas, and this was a, a, a minor agenda <clears throat> in relation to the bigger political agendas. How is it possible that so many people within the ANC bought into the HIV narrative? It's easy. It's because they just didn't know any different. I mean, if you, if you tell the same story by every newspaper, by every television state, station, day after day, you have no reason. Mm. You know, all, all these you know, talking heads, they all seem very important and very knowledgeable. You, you have no um, reason to doubt the integrity of the story you've been told. It was the same as this, 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 this COVID horseshit, you know. It was like saturation, saturation cover in all the media, all by these stupid journalists, you know. Um, so, you know, very few people doubted it. You know what it's like. I know what it's like. And then Tom and Becky kind of went quiet for a number of yeah. years, and then he spoke yeah, again yeah. earlier this year. Um, at, also in uh, 2016, bro. In 2016 yeah. also, yeah. And then this yeah, year, yeah. Dunisa, and he has he was totally obliterated by the media and even the ANC. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, what do you want to know? I mean, yeah, it's because um, this, is like, this is like the rail that you, like you mustn't touch. You see, the HIV AIDS and the wonder of these drugs never never have assumed a kind of a like a quasi religious um mm. status or quality but, so like you mustn't you mustn't touch that stuff but what you i don't get what i don't what i don't understand anthony is <laughs> if you were a black leader like mbeki and you saw that there was this ridiculous narrative that was targeting black people pretty much only right how how is it that other black leaders saw this as absolutely acceptable it's just so strange to me beggy answered that uh, question you posed he answered it by saying in order to understand a subject it is necessary to study it and i know that beggy indeed studied this subject very intensively he studied it particularly intensively over the period November, December, January, uh, 1999-2000, the turn of the century. Um, uh, um, uh, so he, you know, he read all the Perth Group papers. Interestingly enough, I know this, I can divulge it now. When he convened, convened, convened his international AIDS advisory panel, remind me to talk about the problems with that thing later but when he convened his his aids panel in um well he moved on it in february and it was actually held in uh, may um 2000 mm. but when, when he had these things yeah had these meetings um at the second meeting the perth group came uh eleni papadopoulos iliopoulos and val turner and interestingly enough he met them he met them. He had a, a private audience with them, you know, and they because they, they reported in detail to me what happened. Out, Sorry, David Resnick. I think David Resnick was there too. David David Resnick did not meet Mbegi. Mbegi had no interest whatsoever in meeting the Duisburg crowd. Oh, was he, he part he of the crowd? He only had eyes. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Resnick has come around again. Mm. Remind me, mm. Resnick is a great guy. I'm very mm. fond of Dave Resnick. He's a cool guy. But Dave Resnick was very close to Duisburg, and he was he was one of the harmless passenger virus um, advocates, uh, champions, proponents. But the point is that Mbegi only wanted to meet and talk to Eleni and Val Turner, Eleni Papadopoulos and Val Turner, the proof group. So Mbegi was tuned into the problem that, the problem with HIV AIDS being there is no virus. You know, it's like the foundation stone of the building. It's like, it's like a hollow, it's like a, like a hole, you know, things very unstable. Now you say um, hijacked. What did you have in mind by hijacked? Because I can tell you what happened there and why I nearly didn't go. But here's the thing. Um, the idea of this meeting was conceived by Eleni Papadopoulos, Iliopoulos, and it was expressed in an article by Val Turner, her, you could say, amanuensis, her sidekick, her, her assistant, her close supporter. It was expressed in an article called The Yin and Yang of HIV, A Great Future Behind It. And what was proposed was that there should be an adjudication of the HIV AIDS controversy by a, a scientific jury of serious scientific minds who've been vetted for bias and investment and, and so forth. So like, like physicists and the like, you know, just clever, clever guys who could sit on a panel and adjudicate a debate. But what, so that was the idea and that's how it began and that's what Mbegi wanted. But in, in the implementation, somebody dropped the ball and left out the adjudication the critical, the pivotal adjudication element of the thing, with the result that there was a, a kind of a moderator, some like Canadian law professor, whatever he was, you know, he was full of smiles and, you know, but it, it, it was useless. It, it, I, I was so pissed off, actually. I mean, I, I, I was central to this whole thing, politically, but I was so pissed off by this that I, I nearly didn't go. But then I got this Resnick phone me, actually. He said, listen, man, you, you, you got to come in. So I jumped to my car and I shot straight up to Pretoria and um, I had a cool dinner and you know, met all the people. It was wonderful, actually. But um, it, it was, the thing was blown. Nonetheless, at the second meeting, um, the, 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 the participants broke up into groups, as is quite common at these big uh, symposia, colloquiums, and broke up into groups. And Eleni Papadopoulos and Turner were part of a, a group that resolved to hold, to conduct the isolation experiment. In other words, following all the accepted protocols for the isolation of viruses, as odd as that sounds, this is going to be done in respect to HIV. It was resolved, it was minuted, it was never done. Um, I'm so, I don't know, bad mouth the guy, because, you know, again, he's a friendly guy, and you know, he sat in my house a few days, and I know him well, but Harvey Bialy flew out. He was um, he was chat uh, with Duisburg and uh, editor of Nature Biotechnology. Anyway, he flew out and he he did like a half-assed experiment that blew up. It all went wrong, but the the, the isolation experiment that was resolved and minuted was never conducted. So that so ultimately it was just a talking shop and finally a failure. The reality is that he's getting old. Is he going to be vindicated before he dies? 
Okay. <laughs> so, remember I told you, Jim, remember I told you that I'd, um, I'd written this book and I sent it up to government uh, in manuscript. What's it called? It AZT. Called debating, debating AZT. It was then subtitled Questions of Safety and Utility. Yeah, it's free online. It's on other website. TIG.org.za. Um, it's now called Embegging the AIDS Drug Controversy because it, it not only did it canvas all the key scientific literature at the time, published at the time, it also dealt with some of the political maelstrom around the thing. But after that, I thought to myself, you know, this thing has got much bigger than this bad drug. It's really all about the HIV theory of AIDS and, and, and that whole thing. So I then began writing, well, like I said earlier, this is the um, <laughs> this is the galley proof for editing. It's a bit dog-eared now, like a thousand pages. I have captured every single thing of Beggy ever wrote or said about recorded said in what was recorded about HIV and AIDS and I've written up um, with you know quoting all his detractors and so forth and the original title of this book which is just say yes Mr. President in Bergen AIDS quoting a terribly stupid uh, Mail and Guardian headline article just say yes Mr. President I mean how, how ridiculous but the original title of the manuscript was in the president's defense and the intention was to be it was the tension was that the book would serve as a kind of a as an as, as, as an advocate's brief it was you know being an advocate all myself it was meant to be um his case finally expressed comprehensively because you know there were just bits and pieces all over the place and he has here pulled it all together and wrote it up so when you say will he be vindicated well the book sure does uh, tell a story, and, uh, and, 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 and he comes out shining. Um, but, you know, bad scientific ideas are very difficult to uh, overcome and dislodge. And it's been, I think, Goethe remarked that, um, that science proceed, proceeds by the deaths, <laughs> the deaths of, 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 of exponents of bad ideas, you know. So let's be frank. Virology, uh, the viral theory of disease, remains um, very strongly regnant in our time. It's it's a, it's at no risk uh, of being dislodged anytime soon. Bobby Kennedy Jr., Robert Kennedy Jr., as you know, wrote this uh, nice book called The Real Anthony Fauci. And um, it's a, apparently a million copy seller. It's like huge. He quotes, he, he quotes my second book, The Trouble with Novirapine, uh, eight times. Uh, I was quite happy to see that. He cites it. Um, but the trouble with um, Fauci's, sorry, with Kennedy's book is that he, he touches on the Perth Group critique, but doesn't embrace it. And the book is basically written from the perspective of... Um, as regards HIV AIDS, from the, the Duisbergian position, which is that you know, HIV is harmless, it's like not all it's cracked up to be, which again, like I said, it's like a, like a toothless vampire critique. It's, it's no good. To answer, so I'm talking 
rather than about here. But will he will Mbeki ever be vindicated? Well, everybody's forgotten about AZT. You know, it's been replaced by other drugs. Some some English guy in England just emailed me out the blue, and um, he told me the drug is on. You know, very different from AZT. This is it's kind of like out of fashion. It's like gone out. Um, all I can say is that the record supports Mbegi's decisions and justifies Mbegi's intervention. But it'll take a long time mm. before it's widely recognized that he was right. And just to uh, point out, because we haven't mentioned it, but in his yeah. 2001 AIDS report, on page 18, yeah. he they they speak about the problems with... Wait for it. PCR tests. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's right, man. I mean, <laughs> the whole... Deja vu. How, yeah, exactly. Haven't we met before? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you know when, when, when this COVID thing began, I mean, immediately, being like a, a truth-seeking type, immediately I hunted out the founding papers, you know, by the Chinese... You know, I pulled them off the net, I, and, I, and, I, and I saw they were just like complete bullshit. They were so bad. I mean, I could see, I could. It's like a, a school teacher reading like a really bad essay, you know, full of mistakes, and I could see what rubbish this was. Nonetheless, you know, um, next thing the whole world is in a lockdown. So as you say, déjà vu, and all based on PCR. Mm. Well, we could talk for hours about what's wrong with PCR. Even as you know, I'm sure your, your other two, mm. uh, speakers have, have mentioned this. Uh, Mullis himself you know, repudiated his yeah. technology that he invented as a diagnostic um, tool. You're standing as a soldier on the battleground of the information war, and you're looking out at the horizon. What do you see? Um, okay. I was thinking, I was actually <laughs> thinking about this earlier. You know, when I began this thing, I, um, I imagined that AZT, the, the marketing of AZT was some kind of a terrible, exceptional aberration and that medicine had gone badly wrong in this particular instance and that it could be remedied by, you know, determined, let's say, frankly, political action, activism, like mine. But I've come to understand that the whole of Western medicine is fundamentally corrupt. It's fundamentally misconceived. It's like inherently perverse, you know. And um, you know, you look away from AZT, which is a particularly egregious, um, you know, drug. But then you look at other drugs, and you discover that any number of drugs on the market, which are currently being ingested, you know are also very, very bad and very toxic. So what do I see? I don't know. I see, I see the thing rolling on. I'll tell mm. you frankly, I'm making no great claim here. I'm, in fact, I'm, I'm, I'm conceding that we were defeated. You know? I mean, I tell you, man, I put every nerve and sinew for years into this, um, you know, being engagé with this problem. I really put everything in. I mean, it really, part of my time and energy, like sucked out so much of my life force you know mm. um but we were defeated because the the, the forces were just too powerful just yeah. too powerful i mean 
you know, we, we haven't mentioned the TAC, but that's millions, millions, you know, more than they could, they conceded, like much more than they could even spend, you know, showers, millions of from, from, from funders abroad. And, um, you know, with all the assets in the media. So it was a very difficult struggle. And um, I, did what I, I did what I could. But when COVID hit, I, I looked into it and then I just backed right off because yeah. I just knew this thing just had to like burn itself out as HIV AIDS did. By the way, as syphilis did, I mentioned that earlier, syphilis is completely absent from the public consciousness today. No one thinks. Mm. Well, I get syphilis, you know, if meet someone new, go over someone new. But it, uh, there was one at one time, it was, it, everybody worried about syphilis, you know, yeah. and used to swallow and used to get injected, used to get injected with um, arsenic. Look at this. See this? Arsenic capture, uh, ampules, you know. I mean, today, any doctor who injected anybody with arsenic would be arrested for attempted murder or murder <laughs> and locked and locked up with a criminally insane you know <laughs> if i wanted to follow your work how would i do that everything you need is at tig.org.za yeah i should underscore that i'm kind of retired from the field so to say because um i'm involved in another colossal project mm. uh, but the, the, i don't even start talking about it now. It's, it's a big corruption matter but um and a lot of litigation about around it so that's what consumes me now but everything i've done is published at tig.org.za all my books there are free all my articles all my open letters free i never wrote uh, for a dime i mean i did it in the public interest anthony brink thank you for joining me in the trenches no, thanks jim my name is jim this is jim warfare the battle of ideas If you enjoyed this podcast, please visit supportgerm.com.